Winston Churchill once said, the pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. Get ready to be inspired. This is the Big Fish Cares Podcast. Big Fish Cares Podcast. Whether it's business, life, financial, relationships, we're sharing stories and journeys to help inspire you to be optimistic and to take action. No matter the hurdle in life, you can do it, and we're here to help. Welcome to the Big Fish Cares Podcast, and here's your host, Benny Fisher. This is going to be an amazing episode today. I have... A guy here that I've been following for a year or so now, he is hes a champion. He is a coach. He definitely is a motivational um, mentor of mine on Facebook. He, he puts out so many good vibes, and he puts real-life authenticity to everything he does. My good friend Mike Claudio joins us today. How are you doing, Mike? Great, man. How are you? Mike has a company um, called Win Rate, right? Mike, it's yeah. called Win Rate. Win Rate. Win Rate. He uh, he often encourages his followers and clients to win fast and win often. I want to hear a little bit about that today. He also preaches about the power of becoming disciplined and consistent in order to make success of your duty, your responsibility, your obligation, and the rise above outdated, unworkable middle class myths and limitations in order to achieve true freedom for themselves and their families. This guy is impacting tons and tons of business owners and people that are following his journey. I want to get into that. I want to hear a little bit about uh, his journey as being a, an entrepreneur, a public speaker, a coach, mentor. He's got a book out uh, that I bought a bunch of copies for um, because I really wanted to support Mike and everything he's doing for the world. So welcome to the show. I really appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to be here and uh, hopefully share some nuggets from a head coach perspective. Yeah, it's actually kind of funny when you just call me a coach. This is the first time I've kind of hit me because there's been a lot of, we'll say, negative connotation to the word business coach, right? Because there's a lot of people out there that try to be a business coach. I think what what's part of what's made me different or separated me is I built a coaching company. You know, like I lead business owners who are coaches now. And so I think that does make me a little bit different than just somebody out there saying, oh, I'm a business coach and helping spit, you know, we'll say marginal advice to people. Um, but what I really think, and I, I'm telling you, this is the first time this has hit me like this, and it might be something that becomes more of a consistent theme. So this might be where this happened. This might be where this pivot has happened. Um, I'm, I'm truly a leader of leaders. Like that's, that's, that's what I do. That's that's what makes me different is I'm not just a business coach. I'm not just talking about high level and mission, vision, and core values. And I'm not talking about generic sales processes. And, you know, I have six CEOs that work for me. Like, that's, that's rare. You know, people talk about it's hard to attract high performers. I attracted six CEOs, four of which still operate as CEOs of their company. The other two exited in the last 18 months. To work, I'm gonna say on my team, on you know part of the team, but you know they wanted to be a part of my mission. And I think if I look at the last three years of win rate, if I look at how Champions Shoes has grown, if I look at how my brand has grown, and how I guys like you have found their way into my audience, I think truly what makes me different or separates me is I'm not a business coach anymore. I'm a leader of leaders, and that might be a corny thing to say, but it's I really believe it to be true is what has what the evolution has been like for me over the last couple of years as I, I've pivoted from head coach, which is what I was, you know, really up until the last six or seven months into the CEO role of this coaching company and really have become a leader of leaders. And I think that's why I get such good results with high level CEOs as clients. And that's why I've been able to attract, I mean, like, I think you would agree the coaching staff that I have acquired are some high level individuals that are very high performers, great communicators and incredible business owners in their own right. You know, these aren't people who have never done what we coach and are trying to pretend to know. These are guys who are either actively doing or have run, you know, multi seven figure businesses who, who I thoroughly enjoy leading on a regular basis. Well, I mean, I would push back and say that you're, 
you have that head. Here's here's what you, you remind me of. You have that head coach personality, that vibe, that like you know that like you know high school football champion, like NFL champion, like like just beast mode. Like I wouldn't even say NFL because those guys get a little bit weaker as they get older. It seems like they get a little softer. I'm talking like that, like just that monster on the sideline that's like going up and down, like that John Gruden kind of like, <laughs> like be, but like even bigger because like you got the body for you know you got a bigger you know you got a bigger build. But you're leading those guys and you're coaching those guys. You know what I mean? Like and you're always gonna be the guy that's going to be, you know, no matter who your technical audience is, you know, it always expands and then it always narrows, right? Like you have a big audience that's listening to your content, but you probably are only, now you have six, would you say you have six or seven leaders that you're, that you're basically mentoring and coaching? Like that's who you're coaching. And then, then they're coaching. It's, it's, then they're coaching their coaching clients. You see what I'm saying? And, that impact that you got, that you're having, and I love the fact that you know you look at yourself as a leader of all leaders, right? I just talked to a guy I had on my podcast, um, did, did a recording yesterday with with Graham Desert, and he's starting a company called the League of Leaders, or, or something like that. And it's very it's a very interesting concept, right? And I think for people that have the, the, the health and fitness and the spiritual and the, and the, and the business mental, um, all that stuff. When you can, when you can be peaking at all the levels, right? Those are the people that everyone's looking up to and looking for guidance because they're the ones doing it. I want to hear a little bit about your journey, how you got to this point, because you're a young guy, man. Like how old are you? 35, 35. So like, you know, I will say that, like, you know, you have a lot more um, wisdom and a lot more intensity than your average 35-year-old, 35-year-old. So, like, how did, how did Mike Claudio, where did Mike Claudio come from? Tell us about the origins, how you got to this point, and then I want to talk a little bit more about the future. I, mean, I think I've always been, you know, even as a kid, I enjoyed whole, hanging out with the parents. You know, I always enjoyed being around older people, even my early 20s. My friends were in their mid to late thirties, you know, so I've always been, you know, we'll say old for my age, you know, I've always, you know, I've always enjoyed being a part around older people, more successful, more whatever, you know, especially people who are living a life that I had desired. Um, and that's evolved over, over the you know last 15 years, you know, since I turned 20, but you know, my part of why I, I carry the confidence and the maturity that I do now is I failed out of college and got a job at 19. You know, I got, so I, I had, you know, let's say a four to five year head start than most of my peers, you know, and at 19, I failed out of college, got a job and bought a house. Like you want to grow up, like drink away your first mortgage payment, you know, 20 years old going like, fuck, here's the mortgage. Like you grow up quick when shit like a mortgage payment may or may not get paid because you were an idiot one weekend. So, you know, part of it was I, I took on responsibilities much earlier in life than a lot of people do. Part of it is I. You know, one of my core values is continually evolve. I'm always looking to improve, get better at communicating, get better at fitness, get better at health, get better at wellness, get better at husband, father, whatever role it is. You know, continual evolution is part of my strategy. Even before I knew it was one of my core values, and it was actually documented as one of my core values. And you know, all of my businesses operate from the same set of core values. Um, but even before that, I was always first one to show up, last one to leave. You know, the first one to do the extra practice, the first one to take the extra reps, the first one to ask for advice and feedback. You know, I was even in corporate America. So when I filled out of college and got a job, I worked at Verizon Wireless for almost a little over nine years, almost 10 years. I lasted and, there six months. Yeah, uh, I, did, I did retail sales and management for five years and then B2B sales and management for four and a half. Um, you know, but even in that world, I was always going to people better than me saying, hey, how can I get better? What, can I, what do you think about this? Am I, how can I do this better? And like, I've always you know, almost obsessively sought feedback from people. And I was always good at asking questions. I was good at going and, and asking intentional questions, not just, am I doing good? No, it's like, hey, like I've done this, 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 and this. I feel like this could be a little bit better. What, what do you think? And like actually asking good quality, intentional questions to get good quality, intentional feedback. And I've been doing that for 15, 16 years, weekly even. And so I think that's a part of it is, you know, I started maturing earlier than a lot of people who are 35, 36, who maybe didn't even get their first real job until they're in their mid to late 20s. You know, I was 19 with a mortgage. 
you know, you, you just you get you tend to grow up a little bit faster from that sense. But I think a big part of why I I carry myself so well and that I I I cater the respect that I do from from people that know me is, you know, I'm continually evolving at, in all aspects of life. And and I, I have coaches. I have a coach right now. I've had a coach for a while. Like I I live what I preach from that perspective. But continual evolution has been a consistent theme for me for as long as I can remember. I've always wanted to get better. I've always wanted to you know, exceed expectations. I've always wanted to be better tomorrow than I was today. And whatever that was, if it was playing baseball in college, it was the extra swings I was going to take. It was the coach I was going to hire to help with my pitching form. It was, you know, doing skip levels in corporate America and asking like key leadership who most people were afraid to talk to. I used to schedule a, a quarterly lunch with the executive director in our region because I wanted to learn more about what his priorities were. So I knew I was aligning with them. If I wanted to get promoted into leadership in my, in my, my region, I need to know what the top guy was thinking so I could work in that direction. Hey, if that's where you want to go, this is what I'm doing right now. What can I be doing differently to get better or to be better so that you can use me as a more valuable asset? Because, like, that's just the way I looked at things. Like, if I'm not working in the direction of the people that I that I need to, like, be aware of and need to be aware of me, like, what am I actually doing? And now, as a business owner, that turned into my audience. It turned into my peers. It turned into key people that have now joined my team as CEOs that want to coach other people, like that's how I scale a coaching company, effectively at least. You know, and, and at least you know we're early. It's you know still in its first year of scale, but it's it's working. Where does yeah, that intensity I, though? Where does that intensity and that drive to do all those things you just mentioned? Where does that come from? Like where? What happened in your life where you just decided that like honestly, you were gonna? I think it comes from extreme insecurity and. Um, severe severe issues with feeling enough um, where did that come from i don't have like a oh this is what happened um you know i i dealt with a lot of never feeling like enough growing up and i don't know like you know my parents were loving parents but like i was the oldest child and my dad's the son of an immigrant and like you know, my dad was really good. Hey, great game, but you could have done this better, right? And, like, tough, my mom was the love. same way. And, and it, it wasn't even tough love. It was, like, they were just – looking back now, they were just sharing feedback. But, like, it was never, like, great job, period. It was always great job, comma, but. And and so, I, you know, and, and that – and I, I truly believe that they, that they loved me and they were proud of me. And, you know, at the time, though, it was like, well, if that wasn't enough – how do I become enough? And then it's like, I don't know, they just kind of, and, and when I failed out of college, I think that was a really pivotal point because neither one of my parents understood or accepted that. You know, they're both highly educated individuals. Like my dad's a nuclear engineer. My mom has a doctorate, like in education. I failed <laughs> Holy out cow. freshman year. <laughs> like, and so like. Yeah, you're, uh, you're like, a, yeah, you're not going to be the family genius, right? <laughs> no, no. And ironically, I'm the most successful. So like, well. Well, that's a different story, right? But it depends on how you measure success, though. Well, if you look at it as enjoyment in life and financial success, I am the most successful. There you go. Me too. I, now, I like, my mom I like actually, that. My mom's going to retire tomorrow, actually, after 43 years in education. Wow. And she's never Thank made six figures. Thank you for your figures. service, Miss Claudia. She's never made six figures in a year, right? And it's like, I love her, and she's been fulfilled. And like, But she's stressing right now, like, what is she going to do next? And I'm like, I want to be 40 not worried about what I need to do next, right? So it's just a different mindset. So success is, is definitely relative and subjective. But, you know, if I look at that was a really hard season for myself, my relationship with my parents, because that was really where, like, I aggressively diverted from the path that they thought was best for me. And it took a long time for them to accept the fact that I could be successful without a degree. And... You know, so that was part of it, proving them right. You know, part part of me was I woke up one day after failing out of college. I was living on my parents' couch at the time. And um, you know, I made a decision. I mean, almost an out loud declaration. I'm not going to allow the lack of that piece of paper to define me. And I don't know why I knew to even think or say that at 19 years old. I don't know where that piece, where that commitment, where that belief but it was almost a chip on the shoulder that was like, fuck you. I'm not going to let this stop me. This is not going to define the rest of my life. And I turned that into a very successful corporate career. And then obviously I've turned that into a successful entrepreneurial journey over the last 10 years. 
you know, but I, I, I don't know where stories. I don't know I, where I think, that came from. I don't know where that moment where I said, I'm not going to let this lack of piece of paper define me. And then I turned that into like a 10 year chip. Like that didn't go away quickly. Um, but that was a big more, part of we're what more drove similar me. Than, wow. Yeah, that's we're more similar than you think, man. I have a story kind of like that. It's loving parents, but it's always like I always heard about like there wasn't enough at home, right? They didn't have fulfilling jobs. They didn't have enough money. They didn't have enough time. And that, that gets baked into your head as a kid. And then you see this like this whole world out there. You're like, wow, like, just, like can't you just go do that? Why don't you just go? Hey, mom, why don't you do that? Hey, dad, why don't you do that? It's like, like, why come? Why like? Why settle when like you can go do that? Like this is America. Where do you think? So that's like your hell. Why? Right? Like you're running from that. But like, what were you running towards? Like, who do, who was influences in your life when you were young? What did you see that was possible? Like, who who were you around that you saw like something bigger and brighter out there? Did you have anybody that uh, influenced you in a positive way? Not, I mean, like, I don't want to say not in the way that you're asking. And so, if you you you, talk, you brought up the win fast, win often, you know, it's a tagline for the business. But for me, it was a lifestyle, and so. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I was capable of. I just knew that I needed to win tomorrow. Like, I need to win today. And I've lived the majority of my adulthood, like, literally, more recently with a bigger vision. But, like, for the first 10 years in, in corporate America, it was like, how do I get better today? And I lived like that for, like, 10 years. Like, there really wasn't so much of a way I was comparing myself to what I was working towards. It was what, it, what I was – I just want to be better than I was yesterday. And because what actually forced me to leave corporate America, or I say pushed me out, was like I was really being set up to take on this this business uh, business sales manager role. And like I remember waking up one day, going like, "The guy that's in that role is miserable, and that's going to be me. I don't want that. I'm better than what I'm doing here." But I didn't know what that was. I didn't. I just went searching for it. So I didn't have like what I would say a real example until 2019 when I learned about Arte like Arte was this like walking through this door to this world I didn't even know was there and that was only three years ago like I was in my 30s when I uncovered what real entrepreneurship looked like um and so tell me, it, tell me a little bit tell me a little bit more about Arte I mean Arte is led by Andy Frizzell and Ed Milet um you know they built the Arte syndicate to be an environment where real advice was given to real entrepreneurs. And when I joined in 2019, you know, I really did not have a lot of entrepreneurs at that level in my ecosystem. I didn't know them. I didn't know. I really, I don't, I don't think I even fully understood what entrepreneurism was based on the leaders that I worked for in the entrepreneurial world. Like the two business owners I worked for when I left corporate America Neither one I would look at as like an example of somebody I wanted to be like. And not that they're bad people. They just weren't who I wanted to be. They had nice job, nice lifestyle jobs, probably. Well, and, you know, yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, there's a lot of business owners that just like have really good jobs. Yeah, but not. even that, like, you know, looking back, what I didn't know at the time, what I know now, like, they really were not very good leaders. And, like, neither one of them liked me telling them that. So. Well, that's why you're doing your own thing. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, and like, if someone asked me today, like, Mike, what would it take for you to become an employee again? I'm like, man, that leader better be strong willed and understand what he wants and how to articulate it well, because I'm going to tear him apart if he doesn't. Um, you know, but so I, I don't think I knew what I wanted. I just knew I didn't want what I had anymore. And like, I remember like that my last year in corporate America, I was miserable. I was gaining weight like crazy. I was unhappy. I was drinking a lot. I remember looking at Tiff going like, I'm better than this, but I don't know what that is. I'm going to go try to figure it out. Are you on board with that? Because when I left corporate America and I went to work for that small construction company, I took a $100,000 a year pay cut. Because I was making so like miserable. 150, 160 grand a year at 24, 25. At 27, I made 55 grand. Because just go figure it out. Like, I'm better than this. I know I'm worth more. I know I'm capable of more than what I'm doing here. But I can't tell you what that is. But I can tell you I'm not happy here. So I have to take action in, under, in a direction. 
And that's been a big part of my journey into win rate has been like, I, I know I'm not happy where I am. So I'm going to keep taking action in a direction because I don't know where I want, but I know I don't want what I have or am right now. And so I'm not sure I had that pulling direction as much as I had a pushing direction. I'm like, I want to get away from that, but I don't know exactly where I want to go or who I want to be or what I want to be like. And honestly, like I've kind of developed it very aggressively on my own. Um, you know, really defining what winning looks like to me and being unapologetic about it. You know, uh, have you, have you, have you actually read my book? I know you bought a bunch. Did you read it? I read, I skimmed through the first couple chapters. Okay, cool. So I'm 80, I'm ADHD, man. No, like, that's I, fine. Like, look, I don't, yeah. Look, buying the book doesn't mean you have to read it. I got, I, I get paid for it anyway. Like you don't have to read it for me to get make money on you buying the book. So. Yeah, the thirteen cents. That's a whole other. That that's a whole other. That's a whole other podcast. I'm going to talk about the book business. Anyway. Yeah. No, it's just, yeah. It's, <laughs> but I think I think um, like that's like every entrepreneur. Like you know, that's the thing. Like you got to write a book, right? Like and tell me about that journey. Tell me about well, what's in the book. Before I get into the book, people, though, the reason right. I asked is because the the true separating experience for me was December 2019. I attempted suicide. Wow. And so. I'm not going to read the book. The whole first chapter is about it. But what happened on the other side of that was I realized I was living per the example in most of my decision, what other people thought was best for me instead of what I thought was best for me. And on the other side of that experience, I realized I had to go all in on me, what I want, who I want to be, what I want in life, what I'm willing to do to get it, who I need to become. And I started making decisions 100% based on who I am and what I want to be known for. And that's really where you see the man you see now. This, this, this version of me is infantile almost in, in the journey that I'm on. Like this, who I am right now is less than three years old. You're like the baby gorilla. I am. And I say that. By the way, in, I say gorilla because he, he has a gorilla rant. People, just so you know, I wasn't making fun of him. He actually <laughs> is a self-proclaimed no, I gorilla. Am, I am known as a silverback gorilla. When I get heated or passionate, I get very aggressive and loud. Not you also angry. look like a silverback gorilla, man. Like, oh no, the, the, the build, build is definitely a big part of it. The build, the body build, is the, the way I'm shaped is a big part of why they call me. Even a gorilla, the big but, furry beard and everything. Yeah, yeah, you're like, you got yeah. But I'd say, like, you want to say what was a separator? What was the defining moment? What built me to who I am, honestly, was going into internal and being led by my own image and my own definition of what success looked like for me. Um, and if what you, was you, it you, like on the other side of that suicide attempt? Like, what, what did you have to what, – what, is, is there a process of, like, how you go from there to, like, just, like, it clicks to where, like, you then go, like, on this rampant mission to, like, it win? It didn't click. It, it was probably 60 to 90 days of me still wanting to throw myself in front of a vehicle. Like, it was not like a, okay, I'm okay. It was a very dark quarter we'll call it if someone's doing that right now let's just let's 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 give some people some practical advice because there's a lot of people hurting in the world what would you what would you tell somebody to, like if they're feeling that right now like how, how can they get through that to the other side to, to maybe get some form of success so for me it was survive the next decision it was it like it win fast went off and is literally what saved my life like it was not, I need to survive the day. It was not, I need to survive tomorrow, the month, the quarter, the year is like, I literally need to make a good decision next or I could slip and fall and die. Like I would fall into a bottle. I'd fall in front of a car. Like I was literally ready to die. And so for me, the image of surviving for my children, cause I have two sons and a wife, a very loving wife that I needed to survive for them. And I literally could not look past the next decision. Like, Getting up and getting out of bed, doing my workout, drinking my water, not just not drinking alcohol. Like I'm going to decide to the next sip I take is not going to be alcohol. Like it was that that short term. It was if you're struggling with that and you're in the darkness and you're in the bottom of that hole, you just have to focus on winning one decision at a time and you will crawl out of it. Don't think about tomorrow. Don't think about the year. Don't think about how am I going to find happiness? Fuck happiness. It means nothing to you right now. You have to only focus on what does and what defines winning the next decision. I'm going to get out of bed. I'm going to get dressed. I'm going to go for a walk. 
I'm going to eat breakfast. I'm going to drink water. I'm going to kiss my wife. I'm going to hug my children. That's it. One win at a time. It's the only way. There's no strategy. There's no 12 steps. It's one fucking decision at a time. It's the only way out of it. And people aren't going to understand you, and no one's going to come to your rescue, and no one's going to understand how to help you, because no one understands what's going on in your head. No one. And if you look to other people to save you, you're going to resent them. If you look to other people to be your savior, they're going to fail. If you look to other people as what the strength you need, they're going to let you down, and then you're going to internalize that, that you weren't worth their help. They don't know how to help you. They don't have the skill set. They don't have the knowledge. They don't have the words. They don't have whatever it is that you're visualizing that the people you care about most are supposed to be to help you right now. They don't know how. Own it. They're trying. Yeah, they're trying. They're trying to help themselves. I mean, like, they, like everyone's like, it's like we're all on an island. It seems like, and we're all trying to figure out how to get to that next win. And I think a lot of people. You're right. They look for love in all the wrong places. They look for help in all the wrong places. I think it all starts inside. And uh, you have an amazing story, man. That that was I know it's that's just the beginning of it. I'm sure. Um, that, that, that tells me, man. I'm like I'm sitting here almost like a guest. Like, I, <laughs> like I'm like trying to absorb it. I'm trying to think. I'm thinking like all right, I, I gotta ask him another question. But then I'm trying to absorb what he said. And I'm trying to like. I don't know if I'm the guest or I'm the interviewer, but uh, like, I'd say anybody who's struggling with that right now, focus on defining what winning the next decision looks like. That's it. And eventually it'll become a winning streak. And eventually you'll start feeling happy. And eventually you'll start doing it for yourself. And eventually the power that others hold over you will start to dissipate. And you'll be able to make clear decisions and clear decisions and clear decisions. And eventually you'll be able to look ahead a week maybe a month, maybe a quarter, but never plan more than a quarter ahead. You don't know enough and the world is changing too fast. So people are like, what's your three-year plan? I fucking wake up tomorrow and do my morning routine. That's my three-year strategy. And I'm going to do that every fucking day for the next thousand days. Outside of well, that, if you, yeah, off. well, if you do that, yeah, if you do, if you do that, then you'll hit whatever goals you had in three years. You'll right? exceed I mean, like, them. Exceed, That's the well, sickening yeah. part. Because 10X. <laughs> Look, you've had a very successful career. You've built a very successful business. You, you, you have things in your life that are going well. You have things in your life that are going poorly, like, like everybody, right? But if I asked you, I said, look back 12 months ago. Could you have pictured where you are right now? No. In life, Not 12 in months business. ago. No. No. So no. If, you couldn't, if even the 12-month-ago version of you can't imagine where you are right now, today's version of you is 12 months and more intelligent which means you physically have no fucking concept of where you are p capable of being in three years. So the only thing you can do is win the next decision at, for as long of a streak as you can, and you will wildly exceed what you're capable of, what you believe you're capable of, right? Mr. Benny, if you said right now, tell me where you want to be in three years, and I said, okay, focus on winning the next decision for the next thousand days, you would wildly exceed it. If you shoot for a target that you think you're capable of, and that's how you make every decision, you will wildly underperform your potential. Wild. Yeah. I made a decision. I heard a podcast. This changed my life. I have not publicly talked about this until now. Like, not this podcast, but like the last, like, literally couple weeks. In 2019, um, right after I joined Arate, I started 75 hard. The first, I've done it like five times. Uh, I've done the full live hard program and like, we can get into that if you want. But during that first 75 hard, it was in the first two weeks. I heard a podcast from Andy Frazella on the MFCEO project about what would happen if you focused on something for a thousand days straight, not a week till the weekend, not a month, not a quarter. What if you just said, I'm going to focus on this image and I'm going to make every decision as, intention as intentionally as I can towards an outcome for a thousand days straight. I've thought about that every day for the last 1,200 days. And so right now, I dude, in 2019, I did gross revenue of $125,000. You mean like personal income? No, like win rate consulting revenue. Oh, 
Like, like oh, that's all the money. All of it. Yeah, that's. Twenty twenty two, we'll do two point five million probably. That's what you're seeing man. right now. And if you look at my podcast, just hit three years old. I have not missed a single week of a podcast or a YouTube video since 2019. Well, that's when I really started under like, I've been watching you for a while. Cause you know, I'm friends with Dan, uh, Constantino. And I, I saw you guys were connected somehow. And then I started following you and, and then I saw that podcast thing and I was like, Oh wow. He's like, you know, back, this was like a year ago. I feel like, you know, and I didn't have a podcast at that time. And, I saw you were just like super consistent with it. And everybody I talked to said, you know, most podcasts fizzle after seven episodes because like they're just not consistent. And I really always wanted to do it because I really love talking to people. I really love hearing their stories. I really like, you know, communicating that. I like sharing that with the rest of the world. But then I was like, I was worried. Like, I don't want to be one of those guys that starts something and then don't do it because I'm almost like doing a disservice to the people listening, right? Same thing with a, with a roofing company, right? Or anything that you do, right? Like if you, if you're not consistent at it, which is sometimes tough for people that have all these grandiose ideas and how to get to the next level. And sometimes it doesn't involve what got you there before, but this consistency thing, I watched you do that. And then I watched your consistent, um, content, you know, on social media, I watched your consistent adding more your, your CEO coaches to your team, adding awesome high level entrepreneurs to your organization as, as, as clients. And I've just been watching. It's consistent. It's strong. It's like you push yourself and it's something to like, you know, it's one thing if, you know, a guy does it for like a month or two, right? Like it's like, all right, cool. Like, you know, like, when's he going to fade? When's he going to fade? Well, you keep going stronger and stronger and stronger, brother. And it is it's powerful, you know, and it's, uh, it's something that you should be proud of. It's something that I know that you're probably just getting started and you probably think of like, Oh, like this is just the building blocks. Like, you know, wait, wait till you wait till you see what's, you know, 12 months down the road, right? Where are you going? What is that vision in your head of like 1200 days that, you know, you've been working on? Like, what does that look like? Will you share that with the audience and put that out into the ether? I look at, um, Business growth as base camps, right? People look at like, well, I want to summit the mountain. No, the summiting the mountain is death. Like that's the end of the journey. So I look at, if you look at like climbing Mount Everest, right? There's base camps. I think there's like six or seven base camps on Mount Everest before you get to the summit, right? Well, and every time you get to a base camp, you have to hang out there for a little bit to acclimate, right? Which I look at like business seasonal growth, right? When you get to like 1 million, then 3 million, then 10 million, like those, you, you have to get there and you have to sit there for a minute and kind of acclimate to the new level. So what you're seeing right now, which is two to 3 million in revenue, six coaches, about a hundred clients was the base camp I imagined a thousand days ago. And so now I'm kind of sitting here acclimating a little bit, right? We got to build some new SOPs. We got to get more systems and processes in place. You know, we have to, I've heavily invested this year back into the business to prepare for growth in 2023. But I had to sit down at the end of second quarter and reimagine the next base camp. What are we working towards? Not the end, not what am I capable of? What's the next base camp? And just like climbing Mount Everest, there is no timeline that's set between base camps. People say, well, I'm going to do a million dollars by the end of next year. And if they don't, they either minimize the target and be okay with it, or they completely fail or give up, right? They're like, well, I'm going to do a million dollars. But in like November, they're at like 700. Like, all right, cool. You know, maybe we're a $750,000 company. No, I'm going to like, I'm not going to stop working until I get to the next base camp. Because if you stop between base camps on Mount Everest, you die. There's no like, you don't like just hang out in the middle and say, oh, we'll stop here. No, you fuck, you got to get to the next base camp or you don't survive the journey. And so there's no predetermined timeline on the base camps, in my opinion. In business, you can't put a timeline on things. There's no difference between December 31st and January 1st other than, like, your tax strategy, right? Like, there's no difference. People think, like, oh, next year will be different. No, it'll be fucking Monday. It'll just be another fucking Monday. There's no difference year over year. It's the journey has to continue. So right now, I have imagined, I've actually written it out on paper, the next base camp. $10 million. 555 clients, average client value, $18,000, 40 coaches, 21 support staff members, 120 events a year, um, and I'll have a 25% net margin based on Did you guys hear that? See how specific he was? See how we rattled that off? It wasn't just I the first time. I can tell you exactly it's not what the first time you heard every that. every person on the team. I can tell you the exact salary I have to pay every person on the team. I can tell you exactly what my coaches are going to make. I can tell you exactly what the team leaders are going to make. I can tell you exactly how many clients we're going to have. 
And I like to estimate, you know, more challenging than less challenging, right? So I'm basing it on an $18,000 average client value. Right now, we're probably averaging about a $25,000 average client value per 12 months. Um, we're actually working on that report right now. It's between 20 and 25. I don't know the exact number. So 18 is a low conservative. If we're going to try to scale at volume in coaching, but we might, you know, if I could take that from 18 to $36,000 average, I only need 200 and was that 56 clients or something like that. Or 276 so it's, it's funny that you said 555 clients and this is totally a rabbit trail and totally off topic. But that's how I don't know if you know anything about NFTs and Gary V and what I'm doing with that project. But like, so Gary V has this, you know who Gary V is, right? Yep. Okay. So he has this NFT project called V Friends, and he's got this token called Gift Goat, where there's 555 gift goats. Yeah, it's funny. just we, and his favorite number is five, but like, so yeah. there's 555. It's just it's a crazy number because it's a big number. Right. And those are lives. Those are those are lives of men and women who are CEOs of their kingdoms and the impact, you know, and then they have probably at least at least because your average client has at least 10 people in their organization. I would agree. Right. I would yeah, say that's probably, probably, that's right? probably, fair. That's probably five I to mean, 10 I've people at least it. minimum. Yeah. That's, that's yeah and fair. they're all growing at the same time yeah. as you help them grow. They're growing those people. So yep. just multiply that times 10, that's 5,000 immediate lives that you're, and then all the lives around those people that you're affecting, right? You can get that number up to 5 million here pretty quick, right? Like just knowing how much impact you're going to have and like what drives you. And then that, that clear vision of how you're going to get there makes operating week to week, day to day, month to month, so much simpler, right? And so le- so much less stressful probably because well, now you just makes, have to go execute. It makes execute. failure less relative because, you know, failure on Tuesday and August of 2022 is irrelevant to a thousand days from now. Like you couldn't even tell me your biggest failure from Q1 right now, if you wanted to, but I bet there was a point in Q1, you were freaking the fuck out about something, but you probably couldn't even tell me what that is right now. I could tell you my, the, it wasn't even me. It was God. I mean, there was freaking the winter. It was so bad. <laughs> but yeah, no, me, my failure. No, I couldn't tell you what my personal failure there was. There was something you stressed like, about in Q1 that he, right now is irrelevant. No idea, man. That's so big. Yeah. I'm, and so I'm, if you're I'm worried th- about next week's payroll, you're not doing your job as the CEO. Yeah. You're just not. And so for me, like I'm planning to build a company that generates $10 million a year in revenue. And I'm going to focus for the next thousand days on that. That's the next base camp. And a thousand days is a, uh, it's just a number. It's not a deadline. It's not it's like if I years. don't get there in a thousand yeah. days, I'll be done. But it's a thousand days. If I focus on this the next thousand days, I believe the team I have right now of high performers with the support staff we currently have in place, we take this one day at a time, making one good decision at a time, throwing one good event at a time. I believe the next thousand days I can create a ten million dollar company with sixty one employees, forty coaches, twenty one support staff members. I can tell you exactly what each one of them are gonna make. So three years from now, in twenty in September of twenty twenty five, we can listen to this podcast and we can see how wildly. I think what's going to happen is you're going to wildly exceed that, you know, right? Because I already can I can already tell, right? But like we'll be able to see, then we'll be able to look back and do one of those like flashback podcasts and be like, all right, what's the well, next? Like you say five hundred fifty five like? people is a lot. I'm saying like that's a fraction of a fraction of our target audience. Oh yeah, there's five hundred yeah. contractors in most cities. I'm talking about needing 500 in the country. If not, you know, we have about a dozen clients in Canada now too. So like if I can't find 555 people between the United States and Canada that will benefit from the services that we bring at the level we're delivering at right now, then like, fuck it. I'm I'm moving on to something else. It's not possible. So is your ideal client a contractor? Like let's lead in. Yeah, right now our target audience, ideal client is, uh, you know, Home service or construction company between one and five million. That's our target audience right now. We have clients that are doing 20, 30, 40, 50 million a year. But like if we look at our average client is between one and five million. That person who's built something on their own and knows they need help to get to the next level. That's that's our target audience right now. Do you take on clients outside of the home improvement business? We have a very small percentage right now. Um, we're probably 90, 10, 90 percent contractors, 10 percent outside of the industry. And even of that 10%, probably 90% of them are support members of the industry. Like one of our friends, you know, Joe Hughes, one of my clients, you know, he supports contractors. He's a digital marketing training company. So, but he supports contractors. So even the people who are outside construction kind of are still 
you know, attached to the industry. You know, I have, I have a handful of people who just like Mike Claudio and their friends of mine and ask me to work with them who I've taken on that are not in the industry at all, but it's a very small percentage of our overall client base. Yeah. Cause I mean, I'm sure a lot of the things that you're teaching people, business motivating people on it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty, you know, you can, you can apply the same principles anywhere. Right. And it's not like you're trade specific either. So at the end of the day, I find that interesting. Let's get let's get into the whole world of like one of the things you mentioned when you first led the call with is is you know coaches. You know that's a it's a very vague name. It's very you know general. There's a coach on every corner now. Everybody that's the cool thing to do is be a coach, be a consultant. There's like tons of people doing it uh, poorly. There's tons of people being average. There's only a few that probably do it to the level of what you're trying to do. Tell me the difference of what makes your coaches and what your style is better than what the vanilla style is out there? Well, it's a fair question. I try not to get into this conversation a lot because I don't know a lot of the other coaches that people say are bad, right? Because I don't associate with them. You know, there's a few that I know that are very public, that are very bad at what they do, but, like, I'm not going to get into that pissing war. Um, no, 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 no. I don't need names or anything. I just mean... No, no, like, I get I'm it. Sure no, you, I, I'm sure you I, have I clients. try to avoid the question, just being yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but I have, you have clients, so they probably have had a coach before. Probably. You know, it's not, you're most, not their first most, coach, yeah, right? Yeah. And the reason they came to you is because they didn't get fulfilled somewhere else. You know, they, didn't do the, they didn't do the work. They probably didn't do the work. It's probably at 50-50, right? Like, they probably didn't do the work, but the coach also didn't make, you know, just hold them accountable, right? No, I, I Be- think what, people that come to us are ready to do the work because they know that, like, one of our key differences – I'm going to answer your question. I believe I know the answer to the question. I just was saying I tend to avoid the, the question. But aggressive accountability is part of what makes us different. Like, we are going to show up on time and we're going to hold you accountable to showing up on time. We are going to have our task list done. We're going to hold you accountable having your task list done. In our contract, it is part of the requirements of membership of our programs that you will take equal or greater ownership in your success that we will. Like, I fire people who don't do the work. I don't have time for that. I don't have time for a bad, a bad client who doesn't do the work. That's a waste of my coach's time because we are limited by time. Right, time is our biggest asset as coaches. Like we don't do group shit. We do one-on-one shit. We we have events, but like 90% of our revenue comes from one-on-one coaching. So time is our asset. So if you're not going to show up and do the work and show up on time, we'll just fire you as a client, find somebody else who will. And we're not a low ticket offer. Like we're a high ticket in my opinion offer. And so but I think the number one thing that makes us different is every coach on my team either currently or has built a multi-million dollar construction company. Like we have done, like we have seven coaches, including myself right now. Four of them are currently running multi-seven-figure construction companies. Three of them exited a construction company in the last 18 months. So like we don't just talk about what we do. We do what we we talk about. Like we don't say, here's what you should do. We say, here's what we did when we got, when we hit that situation. We don't say this is what this is the process you have to follow. We say what's your process? Well, in my experience, here's some tweaks you might want to put in. Let's figure it out together. I don't sell an out of the box offer. We don't sell Mike Claudio's way to run a construction company. We sell our experience is ahead of yours. Allow us to use what we have done to help you accomplish what you say you want to accomplish. That's what I think makes us different. Yeah. That's uh, how often do you guys get together? Like how often? Like how often do you you meet your? How not you necessarily, but your like the typical client. How often are they meeting with their coach? How often, I know I see you guys do these awesome quarterly like you know uh, events. Yeah. Um. You know, it, I don't know if it's a workout or if it's like a business meeting because sometimes it looks like you guys are getting down and dirty. Sometimes I saw that I saw that one in Florida. You guys were like doing like look like you had like the military out there. You guys were doing like Navy SEAL training or something on the beach. No, I was like, so, whoa. Yeah, so if we look at the Champion Circle, which is one of our twelve month offers, it's, it runs January first, December thirty first. You get two calls a month with your coach. You get one group call with the whole the whole that whole. Everybody's in that program a month and you get one two day quarterly event. So, but you have access to your coach between calls for like, Hey man, I'm struggling with this or Hey, this came up. What should I do? So it's not, the calls are more for the aggressive accountability. The between calls, like the text messages I get like, Hey man, what should I do about this? I give them that five second piece of advice because I've been through it. 
that allows them to make a very quick decision. That's really where we make the majority of our impact. The calls are great. The accountability, the coaching is awesome. It's the, hey, man, I ran into this thing real quick. Here's a quick voice note. And I say, hey, man, like based on what I went through, I wouldn't go that route because it could lead to this. I would go this route. I'd set it up this way, and I'd organize it this way. Trust me, I went the other route. It didn't work. That's why I do it this way now. And that one 30 to 45-second voice note could save that business owner months, if not years, of headaches, right? How many people have you hired wrong that cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars that could have been avoided in a 30-second voice note from your coach? That's really where the impact of our coaching comes in. It's not so much the strategies or the systems. It's I help my clients make decisions in the heat of the moment so they don't have to overthink it and or make the wrong decision that might take them months or years to recover from. That's that's valuable. I mean, that's the year that's it's it's almost like the cost of not do, like the money that you save them is probably a 10 to 100 X what it their investment is in your program. They just, you can't see, you can't necessarily see it, but you know, like it's like hard to measure that stuff, you know, sometimes because it's like some ways that we measure it, but like I have a money back guarantee since day one, I've had a hundred percent money back guarantee in our contracts. If you don't get the value you were expecting from us, I will give you 100% of your money back. And over 300 clients later, I have yet to refund a person that I did not fire as a client. I've had three people I've given refunds to. All three happened because I fired them as a client within the first six weeks. Everybody who's completed the program or like we have about a 60% renewal rate past initial contract period. And we have never given a refund to somebody who has gone through the program completely. That's awesome. That's not one. That's put, that's putting your money where your mouth is. Let's 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 pivot a little bit because we enough about that stuff. I want to know about this little nonprofit shoe game that you got going on because that's really kind of like uh, that's where the Mike Claudio Hart comes out. You know, I always see this big gorilla and this rant guy and this big old, but you're just a big teddy bear inside. I know you are. Yeah, that's fair. You're just you're just. Um, so, I mean, the secret's out. I mean, so <laughs> no, I, I my my gorillaness comes from love because I wanna I want I want people to. I'm so passionate about helping people that sometimes you got to get aggressive to get them out of their own way. That's just the truth. Um, and people like me for my aggressive, my aggressive honesty. You know, we, we, you know, we're aggressively honest and we're aggressively accountable. Like that's what most business owners need. Cause you know, there's very few people in your life that are going to tell you the truth because you're more successful than they are. Or you're their leader. Like part of having, oh, it a sucks. It sucks being alone because like you it need sucks. somebody to call you on your shit, right? Yeah. That's, that's what I do, and I come across as aggressive sometimes because I'm not afraid to do that for you. And sometimes because your ego gets in the way, not you specifically, but a business owner who's built a successful business, sometimes they need to get punched in the mouth a little bit. Like, bro, you're fucking wrong. Shut up. Just listen. And that's I'd rather powerful. get punched in the mouth ahead of time than like have to wait to like have a lot of pain and suffering on the back oh, end yeah. for those decisions. For sure. I can tell you that. I mean, because we've sure. all been there, right? I mean, some of us. You know, there's near-death experiences that are on the line if we don't get our act together. I mean, yep. it's, it's... But so, uh, but so the, the nonprofit, a champion's shoes, you're going to say, well, how did you start it? So I'm just going to tell you the whole story. Go uh, ahead. We got, we, got, we got enough time here. Um, so for as long as my wife and I have been married, which would be 10 years this year, um, at the end of every year, we do what we call the balancing of our blessings. Like, we've had a very successful marriage over the last 10 years, just, you know, both in business and not, but early in our marriage, it was just like, we were happy. You know, I didn't have, we didn't have shit for money early on. So we used to go volunteer our time or something. Then we that, that turned into writing checks to organizations or the church we went to at the end of every year. And, you know, we give money every week to the church. Like we give, you know, I'll be honest about it. Like I give $400 a week to our church. Um, that's you know, not 10%. Week. That's not 10%. No, it's not. What, and what, let me get there. Jeez, dude. Just call me out on tithing. You don't even have the, haven't even heard the whole story yet. Well, we, we started at like $25 a week, and then we went to 50 and then we went to 100 and then we went to 200 and then we went to 300 and now we're at 400 But we, we decided we want to do more with our money that we could control, right? Not that the church doesn't do things with it, but like we go to Elevation Church, which a lot of people know, and Stephen Furtick's an incredible communicator, and I've loved being a part of the organization but, like, they're pretty honest about it. 12% of what they make goes back to the community, and that's awesome. Like, part of what we pay for is so that we have the awesome place to go, and we have the music, and we have the worship and everything else. So that's part of why I give that money. But we decided in 2020 we wanted to get the kids involved. 
And like writing a check isn't impactful to kids. And so we were on a family walk, middle of 2020, and I, we were, Tiff and I were talking about what are we going to do this year to balance our blessings? And I said, well, why don't we do something with the kids that they can understand and enjoy? And we said, well, I asked MJ, my oldest, he's four at the time, said, MJ, what do you love right now? And like most four-year-olds, it's like what's closest to his face. Like, I like my new shoes. And I was like, cool, why doesn't dad take $5,000, we'll go buy 100 pair of shoes, and we'll send them to kids in need who can't get new shoes. He's like, oh, that'd be awesome. We can get them the red ones. And like there was this great family moment on this walk. And like that was it. It was originally going to start, I was like five grand, I was going to buy 100 pair of shoes, and we were going to send them to kids in need, whatever that looked like. I didn't have a plan for that part yet, but that was the, that was the plan. And I, I was driving home from the gym in October 2020, and I remember thinking to myself, that's not how Mike Claudio does things. Like, why am I limiting this to 100 pairs? And why am I limiting this to this year? Like, that doesn't make sense. That's not how I do things. And so I literally went home from the gym that morning and Googled how to start a nonprofit. And I followed the steps. Like, people overcomplicate the shit out of stuff. I just literally went home, Googled how to start a nonprofit in South Carolina. Oh, here's a step-by-step directions. Submit this email. Submit this form. Start this company. Send this, this you know, submit this, this, uh, this document. And it took about, I don't know, four or five weeks or so to complete the process. Got my letter back from the IRS saying you're approved as a 5013C. Got my letter back from the state saying you're tax exempt. And I was like, cool, let's do something with this now. And so Black Friday 2020, the day after Thanksgiving, uh, we officially launched our initiative, we'll say. Just made it public. And we originally, again, plan was five grand and 100 pair of shoes. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas 2020, we raised like $35,000 and sent out like almost 600 pairs of shoes. Like that was, we did this out of our garage and we hand bought and hand wrapped every fucking pair of them. Like, yeah, nonprofit, really fulfilling, incredibly time consuming. Like we were literally wrapping our kids gifts like Christmas Eve because we've been wrapping shoes for five weeks. Don't you have like a warehouse too, like somewhere? Not at that point, not yet. Oh, you didn't have the warehouse yet. No. So it was just out of your garage, right? It was like out of our garage. Yeah, and we're living in a that. townhouse with like a one and a half car garage. Like we, we hadn't moved yet. Yeah, and so because we didn't know what to expect, we were just the like, Hellcat oh. was parked in the street. I didn't even have the Hellcat yet. <laughs> no, we do like. When we sold the house in 2019, we went all in on making our financial goals successful. Like we drove paid off cars for years. You know, we lived in a townhouse for years. Like we went all in on like we're gonna invest. So uh, one of the biggest mindsets, just we're off topic real quick, is like people look at like doing things like that as a sacrifice. I looked at it as an investment in my future, what I want my lifestyle to look like. So we downsided houses. We down. We we drove paid off cars. Like we didn't grow on vacation in 2020. We didn't do any of that shit. Um, yeah, I didn't buy the Hellcat till either. Either did anybody else because of COVID. <laughs> Say again. Either did anybody else because of COVID. <laughs> yeah, but like, thank God I did do that, or I would have fucking bankrupted myself in COVID because my business got destroyed. Like, we, I lost I did this, all I, my clients. Listen, I did the same thing. Not to get this is really off topic. I did the same thing. I went from like a thirty-five hundred square foot house, and now I'm in a nice little, cute, cozy, you know, two thousand square foot house, and a, and I flipped the house, and my house payments eight hundred bucks a month. Everybody's like, "What? What are you doing?" I'm like, "Dude, like, I'm, I'm invested in myself and my future." Yeah. It's an investment. Right, tell me more about the anyway, tell so, me more about the kicks. Tell me about the right, shoes. So, so we we buy the shoes and then we're like, okay, let's do something with this. And so we can we continue into 2021 with it. And we probably did I don't know, like 1500 pairs in 2021 because 2021 was a huge growth year for win rate. Like we we've grown 300 percent four years in a row. And so last year was a huge like I took on a ton of clients and like we didn't well, I want to say we backburner the nonprofit. We just didn't have the time to put into it. And so beginning of 2022, we ended up, we hired an executive director and an events and volunteer coordinator. And like for back to schools, we do two big pushes a year. We do back to school and Christmas. And so in the last eight weeks, we've purchased and sent out like 2,600 pairs of shoes. Because so we hired some people. Where do you send people. them to? Like, how do you, how do you find places? To, where, do, where do you, how do you pick the places that, that, that you give the shoes so to? We work with organizations like Big Brother, Big Sister, Boys and Girls Clubs, schools and churches to get us like lists of kids. Because we buy for the child. We don't just like buy bulk shoes and send them. It's like Susie, age five, shoe size two, you know, female, right? And so we go buy for Susie and we have a whole stickering like system for inventory. We sticker the box because every box gets wrapped. There's a process like we've built 
our strongest and most defined SOPs are in the nonprofit right now. Like it is systemized as hell down to our ordering process, our stickering process, our labeling process. It's, it is a fine tuned machine. Um, down to even how we wrap them and like every pair gets a handwritten card, every pair gets a pair of socks, every pair gets a thank a pre-posted thank you card so the kids can practice gratitude and send something back. Like it's a comprehensive process that we have documented to the T. Um but so over the That's last, awesome. you know, 18 months or so, we've raised, you know, 400 plus thousand dollars and sent, you know, about 5,000 pairs of shoes so far and that started from an idea to send 100 pairs out. And so you know, now that we moved to Green, we're in the Greenville area now, um, just outside of Greenville, and now we're starting to build a more local presence, and we've definitely started building some relationships that'll help us get to the next level. You know, but right now we're kind of just taking it one day at a time, one problem at a time, winning one decision at a time, and the mission has grown. I think a lot of people understand the concept of not being able to afford, pair, you know, new shoes for school. You know, it's really, it's really an anti-bullying movement for me. Um, you know, having nice new pairs of shoes to go to school with minimizes your risk of getting bullied. That's just the truth. And because um, kids suck, that's just the truth. Kids are mean. Um, and so if I can help one kid not get bullied or one kid, because the handwritten card we write says, we believe you are capable, go be a champion. And if one of the biggest things I've learned about underprivileged communities is the lack of hope, that they can be something, that they can accomplish something. And I, if I can get one kid to put that, that handwritten card in, their, in, in his bathroom went mirrored and every day looks at it and knows that he is capable of something. That's enough. That's worth the whole, that's worth all of it to me. Yeah, so you're right. $400 a week is not tithing because we put the rest of that money into our mission at a champion's shoes. Hey man, everybody's got their thing. I was just kind of busting your chops a little bit, you know, got you, got you, got the, got the senses going a little bit. So that's good. So one thing that I ask all the, all my guests, um, it's kind of, like, I don't know if I got this from Joe Hughes. I think I got it from Joe Hughes. I can't remember. Rapid fire questions. Imagine that you're on an Island and you're by yourself. There's, there's nobody else on the, on the planet earth. You can take one book with you. What book are you taking with you? The Bible. You can take one movie with you. What movie are you taking with you? The Rookie. Oh, wow. Look at you. I like that. That's a good one. I haven't heard that one yet, so that's cool. I can watch that um, movie a hundred times. It doesn't get old. Oh, yeah. The mindset yeah. of baseball, just uh, so it's so fun for me. That's awesome. Uh, so let's see. Book, movie. Oh, restaurant. What restaurant are you putting on that island? Chipotle. What do you order there? Oh, I got a double chicken bowl, brown rice, corn salsa, cheese. Is that how you keep that body in shape? Yeah, flex it. I know, I know guac is extra, but on my island, guac is not going to be extra. <laughs> well, yeah, you're going to be the guy making it, so don't worry. That's uh, all right, you're allowed to take one. You're allowed to go on one trip. You can go to. You can go anywhere in the world for one week. Where are you going to go? The Amalfi Coast in Italy. Have you been there before? No, it's we had planned on going, and then she got pregnant with MJ, and then it's just you know kids and stuff. Kids and stuff. I, mean, I got a baby coming any minute now. So yeah. Uh, all right, and then you got one twenty-four hour period that you can get anybody to that island with you, past, present, future, famous, not famous, doesn't matter. Who's that person going to be? No, it's my wife, one thousand percent. No question. That's awesome. No one fulfills me or makes me feel like myself more than she does. And like 24 hours with anybody else would be wasted because I'm going to go back to being alone anyway. I'd rather have my wife there. I um, I want to – I have this, this vision to do a podcast with you and her. I want to hear about your attempted suicide and then how she reacted and how you guys kept that marriage together and how like everything, you know, through all the tur – through all the bumps and the ups and downs, I feel like that'd be a good podcast for people to hear. I don't know if you guys have ever done anything like that before or talked we about talked that. About but... A little bit, you know. We we've definitely excelled as communicating as a couple. Um, yeah, you know, we've we've learned a lot about that, and you know, she's actually started what what you know she calls Mrs. Wing Credible. It's like a support group for wives of entrepreneurs because it's a really hard position to fill, and so she's actually gotten a lot of fulfillment this year pouring into other wives of entrepreneurs. So that's something that she's. Uh, been really passionate about yeah that's awesome man well listen i, I appreciate I you being on the show interview 
Yeah, I appreciate being on the show. What's the best way for someone to reach out to you other than just Facebook, my Claudia? I mean, that's honestly the best. I mean, if you want to go to winterconsulting.com, right? I mean, DM me on Instagram. Like, I, there's no, I'm not hard to get to. I'm pretty accessible. Cool. Well, listen, if you got value out of this show, like, comment, subscribe. If you have any questions for me or Mike, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Until next week, have a great week and, uh, and be good to yourself. Thank you for listening to the Big Fish Cares podcast. It's our passion to help share stories and journeys to help inspire optimism, to take action and accomplish your goals. Make sure to like, rate and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on the website at www.thebigfishcares.com. Find us on Facebook at The Big Fish Cares and on Instagram at bigfish.benny. See you next time.